Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Thank you for hanging out on the Danny Parkin Show. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. At Danny Parkins on Twitter is where you can find me. Very fun week six of the NFL. Niners with their best win since the 2013 playoffs. They made the biggest statement of the day, and that is they're for real, and they might be the best team in the NFC. The Texans had the most impressive win of the day. Deshaun Watson, when he doesn't take sacks and he gets protection, he's as good as any quarterback in football. Kirk Cousins was a bum slayer. Eagles secondary is banged up. He crushed the Giants last week. Good for you. Good enough to beat the bad teams. When no one's paying attention, not good enough to beat the good teams when the eyes are on you. Minshew mania crashed and burned. They give out 35,000 mustaches and he throws for 163 yards with two sacks and a pick. I'm not a believer. I think the every man is going to come back to earth and play like an every man and he'll be a backup quarterback next year and going forward. Nice story. Seems like a smart guy. His brain will keep him in the league, but the physical talent is not there. Sam Darnold, one word, poise. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm excited about the rest of this year and the next 10 years. Dude looks like he can handle any sort of situation. The Dolphins are downright hilarious for that two-point conversion attempt when they were trying to win the game. It's our weekly call for Dan Quinn to be fired. Shout out to the ATL. Tough week for you guys yet again. If I'm a Panthers fan, I'm worried about that Ian Rappaport report that if Kyle Allen keeps winning, he'll keep playing or it'll get interesting. Ron Rivera said all the right things. Cam's in the injury protocol. We're not going to address that until he's healthy, but I would not go away from Cam Newton just because they're winning. I'd go away from Cam Newton if the Panthers are winning because of Kyle Allen. Those are two very different things. And thus far, Kyle Allen's been just a guy. A lot of quarterbacks could have been able to win these games with Jameis Winston putting the ball on the ground and throwing five picks and all that nonsense. Also, I think Dan, or not Dan Quinn, no one's selling him short. I think Lamar Jackson is still being sold short by my media brethren. Someone asked me today what his ceiling is. Lamar Jackson's ceiling is league MVP. Today he was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 200 yards and rush for over 150 in a game. Lamar Jackson is on the short list of greatest athletes to play the position ever. 
and his throwing is getting better, and he's got a good coach, and they're catering that system to his liking. So I absolutely think Lamar Jackson can be great and can win an MVP. I'm not saying I'd bet on it, but we've seen plenty of young quarterbacks have a ceiling less than spectacular. Mitch Trubisky, less than spectacular. Jared Goff, less than spectacular. Doesn't mean they can't be starting caliber players, but they've got some limitations to what they can do. Lamar Jackson at this point is still limitless. 855-212-4227 for your biggest takeaways from week six in the NFL. But speaking of Jared Goff, I think we're learning a lesson that I've been talking about for a couple of weeks or excuse me, a couple of years on this show for a couple of weeks. And I think that more people should figure out that paying a young quarterback who is average, like he's elite, is a huge mistake. Jared Goff, who didn't have 100 yards passing today against the Niners after having over 900 yards passing in the previous two games has a four year, $134 million contract extension already on the books. If the Rams cut Jared Goff, there would be $51 million in dead money owed to him. Jared Goff has everything you could want offensively continuity with the system. Awesome skill position players great coach and he is pedestrian Jared Goff's game log this year 186 yards one touchdown one pick against Carolina 283 one touchdown no picks against the Saints 262 two touchdowns two picks against Cleveland 517 yards on 68 pass attempts in a silly game two touchdowns three picks against Tampa 395 one touchdown one pick less than 60% completion percentage against Seattle also completed less than 60% of his balls against Carolina and then the game today where the Niners absolutely dominated him Jared Goff is okay but when you pay him huge money you risk crippling your team who does that remind you of the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is fine. Dak Prescott, if everything is perfect, you can win with. And for the most part during his career, everything has been perfect. Dak Prescott has had the best offensive line in football. When you take it away, what happens? All of a sudden, they're losing to the Jets. Last week, he threw three interceptions and took three sacks. He had only thrown three interceptions in the previous four games before last week. All of a sudden, you remove Lyle Collins. You remove Tyron Smith. Dak's just a dude. Dak's never had more than 23 passing touchdowns in a season. Dak's never had 4,000 passing yards in a season. Dak's a good leader. Dak's a good guy. Dak is available. He's never missed a start. Dak's got some admirable qualities, but 
What more could he possibly want than one of the three best running backs in the game, the best offensive line in the game, new bright offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, number one receiver that they traded a first-round pick for in Amari Cooper, good defense, good front seven, plays in a climate-controlled, fast-track stadium at home. What, What more could he want? But Dallas is going to give Dak Prescott Jared Goff money. And when you give an average quarterback elite money, you got to start making decisions. You've got to start figuring out, eh, this guy, we can't pay. We can't have this quarterback. We can't have, or this cornerback. We can't have this defensive lineman. We got to let one offensive lineman go. And all of a sudden, your team doesn't isn't as deep. Dallas is really deep right now. Look at Seattle. Seattle paid Russell Wilson. Their defense isn't nearly as good. But Russell Wilson makes everybody better. Russell Wilson makes Chris Carson better. Russell Wilson makes Tyler Lockett better. Russell Wilson makes that defense better because he's hanging 30 on the board. Today, the communication went out in Seattle, and Russell Wilson just called plays, drove him right down the field. He's a he's arguably the second best quarterback in the NFL. He's an incredible player. Jared Goff's not an incredible player. Dak Prescott's not an incredible player. They're fine. But if you've got to have a perfect team around your quarterback in order for you to win big, you don't want to pay that quarterback big money because then it's harder to build the perfect team around them. You pay Russ because he makes everyone better. But the Cowboys are going to make a mistake. They're going to pay Dak Prescott elite money, and it's going to cripple their ability to build a great team. And we're seeing it with the Rams. We're seeing it right now. They should learn that lesson. It's happening right there in front of us each and every week. Teams make these decisions. They're like, we drafted this guy. We invested in him. Devil we know versus devil we don't. And you get sunk. Tennessee's five years into the Marcus Mariota experiment. Tampa's five years into the Jameis Winston experiment. We'll see what they do this offseason, but the only decision is to cut bait because those aren't the guys. Not that they would pay them huge money anyway, but you've got to realize what you, when you have a sunk cost and just don't pay him huge money. Kick the can down the road, franchise tag if you have to, but do not pay elite money long-term to non-elite talents at the position. 855-2124-CBS. All right, your top stories from week six of the NFL. You can react to anything that I've put on the table. Let's see here. Let's go to Hawaii. That's a good place to start. Rick, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What up, Rick? What's up, Danny? How's it going, man? So, Good, buddy. How are the I islands? It, it's beautiful. Can't complain. <laughs> I believe you. Uh, yeah. No, but um, I heard you say a little bit about kicking the can down the road. Man. What's the problem with our boy Marcus Mariota? Is is it is it his play? Is it the line? Is it, you know, so many different offensive coordinators? What is going on? Because he's, like you said, contract year, right? So in your mind, what's his problem? Listen, Mariota is not as culpable as Jameis is for his failures. Jameis Winston is a bigger bust than Mariota because Jameis has Mike Evans. 
and has had Mike Evans. So he's had a true number one receiver the entire time. Mariota hasn't had that. Like you said, he's had different coordinators. He's had different schemes. Are they a power running team with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray? Are they running it through the tight end with Delaney Walker? They've they've had a lot of cooks in that kitchen there. But he's regressed straight up. He's just gotten worse as he's as the league has figured him out, and there's been on and there's been film on him. So my guess is Mariota next year is uh, a, in a quarterback competition with a team that drafted a rookie in the first round. That to me is Marcus Mariota. He signs like a two year contract for you know he signs like Nick Foles money. Jacoby Brissett money, something like that. Like, all right, we'll bring him in. It's fine, but we're not committing to him long-term. That's Marcus Mariota's future in the NFL. So do you think he's no longer a starting quarterback then? He's a backup? Yeah, I think I think he will compete for a job going forward. Hey, I don't, would, I, hey, hey Danny, wouldn't it be funny if Tua Tonga-Vailoa comes in and takes his position? That would be interesting. That I would imagine that uh, – People on the island would be a big fan of that. Be interesting. All right, All right Rick. I, I appreciate you. Now, thanks All for the call, man. Tua might be the number one pick. Although he did finally throw an interception this weekend. His first. What a bum. I think he's at 29 total touchdowns in one pick. That'll play. 855-212-4227. Ah, uh, Q. Q-U-E in Kansas City. Man, I miss some burn ends. What up, Q? Hey, Danny, man. We missed you out here, man. You, yeah, you could you could be talking about Patrick Mahomes every day. Instead, you're talking about Mr. Trubisky every day. What's up with that, man? Well, let me, let, me te- like let, me, let, me, let me tell you what's up with that, man. I'm from Chicago, and let me be honest with you. I'm going to just, you know, as they say, keep it 100. Uh, it pays much better in Chicago than Kansas City. I got to say, I had a nice little come up here. Hey, I know you need to give me a job out there, man. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I do miss can I miss parts of Kansas City. I do. I miss the cost of living. I miss the barbecue. Yeah. I miss that you don't have yeah. to pay to park anywhere. And yeah, yeah. it'd be nice to talk yeah. about Pat Mahomes every day. But you know, such is life. Life yeah, is sacrifice. Man. Well, you know, it would have been hell uh, tomorrow anyway. <laughs> but, yes, uh, true. I just, I just want to know, man, what your opinion is because coming into this year, I thought, look. All we needed was a corner. If we could, like, this would be, you know, I, I, we, we could beat New England. We would, you know, smash New England and all this. But come to think of it, man, we have a lot more deficiencies because that $105 million defensive end that we play, he has one sack. That, those linebackers that we played paid two years ago, they're not doing anything. And, they're, and this run D, Patrick Mahomes isn't even getting on the field. And when he does get on the field – he gets injured. That's another problem. The offensive line has been horrible this year. Horrible. And man, this trade deadline's coming up and we gotta make we gotta make a move. And I just wanna know what you think if we should go you know. Yeah, listen, I appreciate line. that. I pre- well, listen, you, you should upgrade whatever you can at the trade deadline. There's not a lot of trades in the NFL queue, and I appreciate the call. But like you just said, the Chiefs have some serious problems here. Their offensive line should get better just because of health, right? Eric Fisher's injury is not supposed to be too long-term. So when Eric Fisher comes back, that solidifies things because Mitchell Schwartz is the best right tackle in football. Eric, Eric Fisher is very good as a left tackle. 
you'll be straight there. But listen to some of these stats from today's Chiefs-Texans game. The Chiefs allowed six drives of 10 plays or more. This is now four straight games where the Chiefs have allowed 180-plus rushing yards. The Texans had 35 first downs against the Chiefs, second most any team in the NFL has had all year, and that time of possession for the Texans allowed Pat Mahomes to only have 41 yards in the second half. So the Chiefs' run defense is bad. Their pass defense is bad. Their discipline is bad. They're the most penalized team in the league, and their running offense is bad. The rush offense is what it is. Damian Williams has been hurt. Left side of the offensive line has been hurt. That's just, it is what it is. That'll get better with, with health. Pat Mahomes will get better with health. The offense will get better with uh, Sammy Watkins coming back and now Tyree Kill back today. So the offense is going to be fine. You're not going to make a trade on offense. But you need Chris Jones back on that defense. And if you can get a corner, get him. If you can get a linebacker, get him. If you can get a defensive lineman, get him. Because there's no area on that defense where you can't upgrade. They need speed at corner. They need bulk on the defensive line. And they need tackling ability at linebacker. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Chiefs defense is a disaster. And yes, it's limiting Pat Mahomes' greatness, just like his left ankle is, because he can't score if he's on the sideline. 855-212-4227. These Sunday shows, man, they're basically NFL postgame. I absolutely love it. NFL postgame, Danny Parkins edition, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkins Show. Thanks for hanging out on the Danny Parkins Show, week six edition of the NFL. It is Monday on the East Coast, Monday night football tonight. Packers and Lions should be a great game. Lions, honestly, better than a lot of people thought. NFC North, very competitive division. We can get more into the game a little bit later on. Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau, best home winning percentage in the NFL over the last 12 years. Lambeau at night, great venue for a primetime nationally televised game. Unlike this Chargers game where it's 85, 90% fans of the road team and there's 27,000 people in the stadium. Speaking of Jared Goff, this from a football perspective on Twitter, Jared Goff had fumbled in 10 straight games prior to not fumbling last week. He fumbled again today. So that's 13 fumbles and 13 interceptions in his last 12 games. Sean McVay is awesome. Their skill position guys are pretty damn good. Goff is getting figured out. I think some of it is McVay, that there's tape on his system, and even though he's running more two tight end sets this year, it just got a little bit, like, they pay the defensive coaches too, right? And he was kind of smug, which I kind of respect. But three receivers, one tight end, one running back, five linemen, one quarterback, and he was running that formation or at least that uh, personnel group, you know, 95% of the time. And this year, like I said, it's been more two tight end sets, especially with the Gurley injury. They've been trying to have extra blockers in there from Malcolm Brown and to protect Jared Goff, who's been putting the ball on the ground like crazy. But 
he has taken a massive, massive step back, and that looks like a massive overpay for the Rams. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227, brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Of course, still tracking the ALCS, Astros and Yankees, 2-2 in the bottom of the 10th inning. Runners on first and second right now for the Astros. One out, 2-2 count. One run obviously wins the game and evens up the series. Verlander was masterful again. He is incredible to watch, especially at his age. And baseball's made you cynical. When guys do things that they're not supposed to do at that age, it makes you ask uncomfortable questions. He's just that dude. Verlander is the Nolan Ryan of his generation. It's just absolutely marvelous to watch. 855-212-4CBS in Pennsylvania. Ryan is on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Ryan? Thanks for calling. Hey, Danny. How you doing? Chilling, man. How are you? Uh, I'm hanging out. Just uh, let me preface this by saying I am a former Dallas Cowboy fan. And let me say they lost me with the whole Greg Hardy deal. But, you know, all of my Cowboy brethren out there has said about Jason Garrett needs to go and all this other stuff. When the real problem I've said for years is Jerry Jones, and he's never going to relinquish control. I mean, do people realize since they last made the Super Bowl, other than the Cowboys, there's only three teams from the NFC that haven't made the Super Bowl. Washington, Minnesota, and Detroit. They've had six coaches in 22 years. The Steelers have had three throughout their history. And he's never going to relinquish that kind of control like he did with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson was the man behind that dynasty. And yeah, Jerry and the, Jones, the, the, the story out of Dallas is that Jerry Jones hated how much credit Jimmy Johnson got, so he fired him. Switzer correct. came in and won with Jimmy Johnson's guys, and Jerry correct. Jones basically vowed that ever since he wasn't going to have a coach who would get more credit than him, even though he gave it to Parcells for a little bit. And you would think, after seeing how Robert Kraft handles things, or the Roonies, or the Packers organization, if you're just an owner that kicks back and hires top-notch football people and reaps the benefits of the rewards, he's just never going to do it again. And it's going to be like this, until, and I hate to say it, until he either sells. If, if he really wants to do something good, he'll, he'll sell the team. If well, he he's not selling the team. He's not. No, we, know. we know that they're the most valuable organization okay. in sports, and his son is already the president. And they've said that he gets it when Jerry goes. So right. he's not selling so, the team. But here, here's what I would say: the Cowboys have a good roster. They have a lot of talent. They're not a bad football team. I don't. I, they're not poorly run in terms of roster construction. So well, what, what, where, what, what, where specifically do you see Jerry Jones meddling in this? Because I do think that he should hire a stronger-willed coach who is more competent than Jason Garrett. I absolutely think that should happen, and he should relinquish the need for credit in that way. But in terms of the talent that they've built, it's a pretty damn talented football team. He had Bill Parcells for three years, Danny, and he ran him off. <laughs> yes, you know he did. I mean? He's, he's just never going to hire a top-notch 
football coach that has that kind of discipline because Jason Garrett's the type of guy that he's going to control, and that's what he wants. And that's I all agree. he's ever going to And that's, that's all he's ever going to want. So until he gets a coach in there with top-notch assistants, like maybe a Mike Tomlin who, you know, Mike Tomlin's been with the Steelers for 13 years, for God's sakes. And even though he's only won one Super Bowl, you know, over the years they've been consistent in making the playoffs, even though the last couple of years hasn't been all that great for Pittsburgh. But until he gets somebody that's high profile in there that's a disciplinarian, it's just going to be the same thing year after year. You Ryan, I appreciate the, the call. I got I yeah. got to run to get to an update here in a second. I I think the idea of disciplinarian is overstated. Andy Reid is the second best coach in the NFL, but they're the most penalized team. Right? Tony Dungy was a successful coach, but he wasn't a screamer and a yeller. Those two things are not always A to B correlated. Is Jason Garrett the problem with Jason Garrett is is that he's supposed to be an offensive coach and Kellen Moore is getting all the credit for the advances in their offense. And he's not a very good situational coach, and he's not a commanding presence. So it's kind of got a office space feel to it. What would you say you do here? He's he's like a figurehead. That's the problem with Jason Garrett. It's just continuity and familiarity and someone who can take the arrows for Jerry and can take the blame so that when it goes well, he can get the credit. Tanking becoming very in vogue in the National Football League. Is it becoming a problem? We'll get into that plus your week six calls coming up. This is the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show on CBS Sports Radio, the radio.com app. Speaking of the radio.com app, I do a Sunday morning show also during football season because I'm um, overworked. But it's a really fun show. It's called You Better You Bet. And it is only available on the radio.com app. It is a live video podcast. I had to learn what that was too. Um, So you can watch it. You can listen to it. And it's Nick Costos. Who's the host? I am the co-host every Sunday morning. It's from uh, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time on Football Sundays. Ross Tucker is on every week, sometimes for the full three hours, sometimes for an hour, sometimes just for a segment, depending on his Eagles pregame responsibilities. We have Alan Berg one of the head odds makers at Caesars Palace on every week. And we go through every NFL game against the spread. And we talk the spread, the over under prop bets and fantasy implications, both season long and daily fantasy for every game of the card, every game of the NFL, every day or every Sunday. They do the show uh, weeknights for, you know, everything going on. But in terms of if you are saying to yourself, man, these NFL pregame shows bore me and my local radio station is only talking about my local team and I've heard enough about my local team all week, 
but you wake up on Sunday morning, you're like, you know what? I want to put in a few bets, a few recreational plays, or I need some help with my fantasy lineup, or I want to hear about football from that perspective. You should uh, check us out on the radio.com app. But uh, I got to be honest with you. I think the show's getting kind of good. We're having a lot of fun and uh, it's a great mix. I think of entertainment, making fun of each other, a little ball busting, sheer degeneracy and good information. And Nick Costos is an insane human being. So the show's got that going for it. Eight, five, five, two, one, two, four, two, two, seven is the number. They play on, by the way, Yankees got out of the uh, two on one out situation in the bottom of the 10th. So Astros and Yankees in the 11th, but the idea of tanking in the NFL is being done at an extreme level by the dolphins. And there are plenty of bad teams, right? The giants are bad. Washington's bad. Cincinnati's bad. There are the jets, even though not Darnold's there, they're, they're bad, but they're getting better. The Falcons are bad. There are plenty of bad teams, but those are normal bad teams. Miami's a special kind of awful. And the reason why I don't think what Miami's doing is going to be any sort of new trend is you've still got a hit on the draft picks and a few players barring it being a franchise changing quarterback don't really transform a franchise in meaningful ways, right? Like Jadavian Clowney, great player. Number one, overall pick defensive player goes to the Texans. He didn't change the Texans fortunes. It's not like basketball where one great draft pick can alter a franchise for a decade that can happen in football. It's just exceedingly rare. And part of what matters in football is hiring the very best and brightest, right? We were talking about Jason Garrett earlier. Brian Flores has been dealt a no-win hand. I'm not saying the Dolphins aren't going to be able to hire coaches because if they get it right at quarterback with one of these draft picks, it'll be an attractive job. But What you're doing is you're setting up your organization to not being able to hire the best and the brightest because Brian Flores, he's been put in a no-win situation. They hired a defensive-minded coach from the Patriots. They started tanking. They're going to get a high draft pick, probably the first pick. They're probably going to draft a quarterback with it. And then they're going to decide, you know, we'd like our quarterback to play with an offensive-minded head coach. And then they're going to fire their coach. And then Brian Flores is going to have 0-16 on his resume and never get a head coaching job elsewhere. So because football is so fleeting and general managers can get fired fast and coaches can get fired fast, and, you know, the old saying, like the cliche, NFL stands for not for long. If you tank and deliberately field an awful roster – that's going to lead to a certain amount of lack of continuity that's going to set your franchise back in a way that the only way you can overcome it is by getting transformational quarterback prospect. And then all of a sudden, that stability, you can hire a great coach, 
to go coach that quarterback and all that. But that quarterback's not available every year. And sometimes the third best quarterback in a draft class ends up being the best. And sometimes the best quarterback goes 10th overall or 33rd overall, like Drew Brees. You know, it's just Russell Wilson's the second best quarterback in the NFL, 75th overall. Like, obviously, the at the top of the draft is where you have the best chance of doing it, but it's not a certainty. Whereas in the NBA, sure, Steph Curry could be the seventh pick or Giannis can be the 15th pick. But for the most part, if you're a can't-miss prospect, you go first overall. It's easier to project. It's much tougher in football. So the deliberate tanking I don't think is going to take over the league, but it's really funny to watch Miami try. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but that two-point conversion today was the funniest play of the day, and it's not even close. Ooh, yeah, we're, we're trying to win. Two-point conversion, let's throw it three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Why you'd run a bubble screen and throw it short of the goal line on a two-point conversion, I'll never understand. But then again, these coaches are often operating as if they're brain dead. Don't know how to go for it on fourth down. Don't know when to kick a field goal. Don't know that you can't challenge pass interference this year because even though it's a rule that allows you to, they've only overturned one through six weeks. It's insane. It's like coaches are only watching their team, but we know that they're not because they live at the facility and they watch 120 hours of film a week, it seems like. But they're not learning, or at least they're learning way too slow. Telling you, hire a stoner off Twitter. You'd get better clock management. Certainly a good Madden player or, you know, an analytics analytics guy from MIT. It's mind-boggling that, like, Frank Reich, Doug Peterson, and John Harbaugh have figured it out. Bill Belichick, obviously. And then 70% of the league still has no idea what it's doing. 855-212-4227 is the number. In Indiana... John is on radio.com and CBS sports radio. What's up, John? Hey, how's it going, Danny? Good. Hey, um, I just want to get your opinion on firing coaches midway through the season, being as a Falcons fan. And then you said it, uh, we are a bad team and it's hard to admit, but I mean, the first step in recovery is admitting that you have a problem and the Falcons have several. So it's pretty obvious at this point with Dan Quinn's defense being ranked in the bottom five, giving up the most points in the NFL, second to the Dolphins, um, and not having a sack in three weeks against three of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Um, what is your opinion on, on Dan Quinn and then getting rid of coaches midway through the season? Thank you. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate the call. I, it is waving a white flag on the season, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Dan Quinn needs to go. Dan Quinn, barring them winning out, is not coming back next year. I happen to think that Atlanta would be a great spot for Lincoln Riley. I know he traditionally seems to like a more mobile quarterback than Matt Ryan, but I think he'd make it work, and Lincoln Riley in a dome with arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL strikes me as a fit that might make a decent amount of sense. So the advantage of firing a coach early is you can get out there and have everyone know that your job's available, but you can fire the coach the second the season ends and still have a good shot at that too. So it's not necessary, but it is a slight advantage. Why Washington needed to fire Gruden was because straight up apathy had set in. 
They weren't going to games in D.C. They got one of the biggest stadiums in the NFL. They were getting outdrawn by fans on the road. I mean, last year, what was it, week 16, week 17, there were 90% Eagles fans at that game. Two weeks ago, it was 50% Patriots fans. A once great fan base had been become completely dormant. So that's the best time to fire coaches in season is when you feel like you literally need to do it for your customers because it's a business at the end of the day. But it is waving a white flag on your season. So once you think, okay, we are 100% eliminated from the playoffs, go ahead and fire the coach and get a jump start on the job search because I like what Kyler Murray is doing. But Dan Quinn can't be a defensive coach giving up 34 points to the Cardinals. Like That's just unacceptable. They have no identity on defense, and they are a woeful group of underachievers on offense. Matt Ryan was awesome last year. He was able to win an MVP with Kyle Shanahan. Like That, that team, there's no reason why the Falcons should not be a top five or six offense in the league. Zero reason. And I know that that's not Dan Quinn's side of the ball, but... At some point, the buck stops with you when you keep, I mean, when you got Kyle Shanahan and Sark and you keep, you keep changing your offensive coordinators, man, that's on you. You allowed for accountability to stop before you in the past, and now it's got to stop with you. That's just how the game is played. They're not getting rid of Julio. They're not getting rid of Matt Ryan. I doubt they get rid of Dimitrov. Maybe they do, but I think. I think Dan Quinn goes, and I think Dan Quinn eventually goes in season, though I don't necessarily think it'll be tomorrow. 855-212-4227. It's week six NFL postgame on the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.